Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Now, after defying recession fears last year, some forecast the U.S. economy to easily beat consensus expectations again in 2024. And with several rate cuts in store for this year by the U.S. Fed, what's the outlook then for the U.S. economy? And what asset classes should we be looking out for given the current financial conditions? Well, to find out more, joining us on the phone today is Nicolas Schmidt, who is the chief international economist in the Fixed Income Division of T. Rowe Price. Nikolaj, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. Nikolaj, you know, the end of the 2022 to 2023 interest rate hiking cycle has kind of set the stage for a material U.S. economic slowdown in 2024. So what's your outlook on the U.S. economy this year? So we probably probably agree with the idea that U.S. slows relative to the Previous year, um, so I think 2023 growth was buoyed by a number of temporary factors. You know, the big fiscal impulse was a big impulse coming from uh, running down a household savings, uh, and also we think in 23 the economy benefited from a big easing of financial conditions around the turn of the year 22-23, and that sort of facilitated everything through 23. Mm-hmm. So in response, monetary policy was obviously tightened quite aggressively. And as we enter 24, we see some of these tailwinds fading, and we think the economy is going to be left with somewhat tight monetary policy. In my view, monetary policy is probably a bit too tight, and that leaves you with an economy that slows. Um, there are a bunch of innovations on the Fed side, which I think sort of helps alleviate some of the concerns about recessions as we go through 24. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have a recession, but it's by no means uh, by no means supposed to look as concerning as it is as we enter 23. I see, I see. I mean, towards the end of last year, many market watchers, you know, had expected rate cuts to come in as early as March. Have those expectations changed? When do you expect rate cuts to come in? So I think the market is pricing rate cuts quite aggressively by now. You know, we're definitely considering March if you look at what is priced in the market. My mm-hmm. personal view is March is probably a little bit too early, but I, I wouldn't write it off. I don't think the markets are, are completely wrong in terms of thinking it could happen in March. Mm-hmm. If it happens in March, we need to get a sign pretty soon from the Fed. I have as a base case that it happens in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's probably how we see it. And I think we're probably not completely off consensus on that. Mm, I see. So once the Fed does, you know, decide to implement rate cuts, what would that mean for the U.S. economy? So it depends a little bit of the context of rate cuts. So I think there are two parts. When I think about rate cuts, there are two parts we need to consider. Okay. So the first part is sort of a Goldilocks part, and that seems that's the one we're excited about right now. And if you look at the market, at least right, and that's the one where growth slows. Uh, we have a Fed that is active; they, they want to avoid a recession, and therefore they're going to be pretty aggressive and pretty quick on easing. Um, and the whole context of being able to cut rates is because inflation has come down, right? Mm-hmm. So that seems, right now, that seems to me to be the most likely path. It is a slightly unusual path for the Fed, and usually the path we're on is one that the Fed starts to ease monetary policy because the labor market in the U.S. sort of softens a lot. And in particular, you see um, claims for unemployment rise fast, and that's usually where you get the Fed response. That's usually also where you get a slightly more scary 
rate cut cycle, and that's where you get a rate cut cycle that is not Goldilocks, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the context is important. For now, my base case is that we're on the former path, which is sort of a little bit more of a Goldilocks path where the Fed does enough to avoid a recession, and they ease a little bit preemptively because inflation is lower, right? And, and they have a space to do so because interest rates are already quite high. And in my view, and I think the Fed, Fed agrees, if I, if, I, if I listen to what they say, monetary policy is tight. I would add it's too tight. Mm-hmm. And that means that you can easily cut rates by four times, six times, maybe even, maybe even eight times. And you're still going to be at a level of interest rates where the Fed feels they're not accommodated, right? So it gives them some comfort that they can actually ease proactively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that making this distinction is the important bit for thinking about the rate cutting cycle. So in this sort of more beneficial cycle, I think that's one where U.S. growth slows. We have a bunch of uncertainties as we get into the second half of the year. We have a U.S. election that is bound to get extremely noisy and create a lot of uncertainty, which will probably weigh on consumption and capex, et cetera. But I think we're in the context of a Fed that sort of tries to preempt some of this and ease a little bit more proactively than what they've signaled, at least in the early part of 23. Mm-hmm. So net-net, I think that sort of helps us provide a little bit of a floor for, for the U.S. economy. And that probably justifies a somewhat constructive backdrop that the markets are trading with currently. I see. What will the central bank's shift to rate cuts then mean for markets? I mean, what asset classes will be impacted the most from such rate cuts? So that's a really good question, especially as we're looking at what happened over the last sort of two months, because the markets have been quite buoyant already. So I think if you look at what's priced in the fixed income markets, I think I think we've priced quite uh, generously the cutting cycle that occurs, right? So we have something of the order of six, six cuts priced in 2024, which I think is probably the limit of what we can get in this sort of Goldilocks cutting cycle. I think we can get that, but I don't think we can get a whole lot more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that tells you probably, for somebody like me, it doesn't look like there is a whole lot of value when I look at sort of the front end of the U.S. curve. When you're looking more out to sort of the 10-year point and beyond, well, if you live in this world where you believe that we get a soft landing, right, and, and, and have a sort of a smooth, smooth cutting cycle to sort of 3%, mm-hmm. I think in that world, the 10-year rates are probably a little bit too low. So it's not a sort of structural investment. Markets are about a lot more than just value, right? And when you look at the momentum in the market right now, this is more for, for short-term considerations. The momentum is definitely on the downside. And I think there are more people looking to buy duration and buy bonds. Mm-hmm. And therefore, in the near term, you probably get a continuation of the rally. But I wouldn't argue that, that there is, if you look at this as a value investor, I wouldn't argue that there's a whole lot of value right now on the fixed income side. Mm-hmm. To turn to equities, so who benefits more if we're going to avoid a recession? It's probably going to be the lower quality U.S. companies. So that would sort of turn your focus to something like the Russell Index. But I think broadly, rate cuts and something that looks more like a soft landing to get that confirmation is going to be supported for equities in the first half of the year. And again, you can look at momentum. So right now, there's a bit of divergence going on between small cap and large cap. And definitely large cap looks look a lot smarter in the near term mm-hmm. uh, relative to small caps, right? So, but again, there's sort of a horizon consideration. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I, I think in a, in a world of Goldilocks rate cuts, that's a world where the dollar generally trades softer. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, I see. Well, at the same time, you know, central bank easing may only follow a significant correction in risk assets. And this means, you know, demand for bonds will increase. So, Nikolaj, what does that mean for the outlook for bonds this year? Should investors add bonds into their portfolios? So you're right in terms of thinking about how this historically works, and, and, and it may indeed work the same way this time around, who knows. And I think you're drawing the consideration again between what type of easing cycle do you see. So the easing cycles we normally see mm-hmm. is a Fed that's well behind the curve and trying to catch up. So maybe, so my guess is it will look slightly different this time around, and that may give you a slightly more favorable backdrop. I think the Fed can actually ease without a big correction in, in equities this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go down that path, Right, and, and that is definitely a path that has a certain amount, a, a higher degree of probability as well. The path of a more serious correction in the U.S. growth, and that's the that's the path where you see a big correction in equities. And, and in that scenario, I think rates are definitely a buy. That's mm-hmm. definitely a buy. You want to add it to your portfolio. But again, depending on who you are, if you're a value investor, I think you need to take a close look at what's priced in these markets mm-hmm. because we are pricing rates being cut to sort of three percent, which is roughly where I see the neutral rate in a relatively relatively smooth path, front-loaded in 24, and then a bit of easing in, in, in the back end. But if you believe that that's sort of roughly the right world, that's the soft landing world, then there isn't a whole lot of value in, in fixed income right now. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. There is a lot of value if you see a recession around the corner, then you should just close your eyes and buy bonds. I see, I see. Before we let you go here, what else should we be looking out for that could move markets and give us clues or further clues about the U.S. economy in the coming weeks? So I think the key thing for us to watch in the coming weeks is how does the labor, how it's all the growth data, of course, right? Mm. So softening in growth and, and what we'll see in the coming weeks is obviously the different surveys from the different feds, et cetera. I mean, anything that supports the idea that the U.S. economy is slowing will increase the probability of the March rate cuts. And when that happens, I think the market will just trade down with momentum, right? I think from, for somebody like me, I think the key data to watch is what's happening to the labor market. And we have the high-frequency claims data, which looks relatively robust as right now. Uh, U.S. employers are not firing people. Any change in that picture will be sort of the key input to monitoring, to, to, to sort of building a view about the market. If claims starts to go higher, that raises the concerns that we are in a sort of more recessionary correction. And in that world, definitely bonds are going uh, to go up, interest rates are going to go down. Mm, I see, I see. Well, thank you so much, Nikolaj, for your time and your insights today. Uh, not at all. It's great to be on, and I hope this was of good use to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Nicolas Schmidt, who is the Chief International Economist in the Fixed Income Division of T. Rowe Price. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.